to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com in this episode we talk about sexy stories if you feel like you need a little something to help get you in the mood or just to enjoy some good pleasure content please support our awesome sponsor dipsy Dipsy has been an amazing advertiser of the podcast, and remember, the more you support the advertisers, the more it benefits the podcast. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite songs again and again, which I love to do, you can always find something new to explore when you're in the mood. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy stories that you can read. They even have one with Luke Cook, one of my favorite voices. He was Lucifer Morningstar in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I truly believe, as you listeners probably know, that it is so important to make time for your sexual exploration, and Dipsy makes it fun, easy, and pleasurable. I use Dipsy written and audio sexy stories to help get me excited, and I use their wellness and sleep stories to help me wind down. I also really love that they highlight inclusive and diverse voices and stories for all kinds of listeners. Again, for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A, dipsystories.com slash S-A-N-D-S, dipsystories.com slash S&S. Now back to the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome to Slutty Season, aka the theme this October and my favorite time of year. Just a reminder, I'm running the show a little differently this season with a new theme featured each month, kind of like mini seasons. Last month was back to the basics and this month is Slutty Season, aka slightly more advanced pleasures. This episode fits right in as it features one of my favorite sluts, Zachary Zane. His definition of a slut? Removing the shame and the shoulds from our sex life. I hope you slutty scholars enjoy. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I'm excited to welcome Zachary Zane. He is a Brooklyn-based columnist, sex expert, and activist whose work focuses on sexuality, culture, and the LGBTQ community. He is the author of the new amazing book, Boy Slut, a memoir and manifesto, which is now available for pre-order. He's also the co-author of Men's Health, Best Sex Ever. He writes Sexplain It, the sex and relationship advice column for men's health. And he's also the founder and editor-in-chief of Boy Slut Zine, which we're going to get a little taste for today, which publishes uh, real sex stories from kinksters worldwide. His work on sexuality and relationships has been published in the New York Times, Rolling Stone, the Washington Post, GQ, Out, and so many others. Welcome. Thank you uh, so much for having me on. I know we've been trying to do this for a while, so uh, excited to be here. I know it's so good to see you in like podcast yeah. light. I have to like, I, know, I always right? have to code switch and from like hang friend time into like being a professional. But I think I'm the similar person. I just like wear more sh- shirts. Yeah. I mean, I, ironically, with work, I actually wear less shirts uh, <laughs> than I do. And then when I'm home, I, I have my comfy shirts on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nudity is part of the brand. That's right. Exactly. Okay, well, so we are actually doing this episode for my slutty season month, which is why I wanted to have you here specifically. Um, Makes sense. What does being a slut mean to you? Oh, my goodness. I love this question. So being a slut to me is not about body count and any stretch of the imagination. It's a word that kind of obviously the word has been hurled at women in order to disparage them. So I'm a little bit cautious in reclaiming it as a cis man. However, to me, a slut is someone who lives their life, their sexual life without any shame. Uh, that to me, first and foremost, is what a slut is about. And I love the fact that it's being reclaimed. It's a point of pride. Um, and yeah, it's not about body count. It's just about doing what you want to do with whoever you want to do it, however you want to do it without a lick of shame. That to me is what being a slut is. 
I love that. And I was going to ask too, because I, I have a lot of clients who get a little stuck in comparing themselves to, I guess I would say to folks like you, um, where they think that in order to be maybe truly shame-free, that they must be down for like lots of sex or casual sex or speaking openly about sex in order to be quote unquote slutty or like sexually free. And what I try to explain to them is like, I think it's really just about respecting your own like sexual style and needs, right? You can be a slut without having a quote unquote high body count or whatever that means versus like, I don't know if you're someone who like needs a certain kind of thing to, in order to experience a lot of pleasure, like maybe you can't be as casual. Do you think that could also be a slut? Absolutely. And I don't want to sound too hippy dippy. Um, do, it. Being, <laughs> do it. But being a slut, in a sense, is a state of mind. Um, and it's someone, again, like if you could be a demisexual slut, you know, in that regard. So uh, people who are demisexual are people who only form kind of like sexual attraction after they have a bond or romantic attraction to someone. So they don't necessarily see someone walking across the street and be like, oh, he's hot. I want to fucking sit on his face. Like they like only do the aforementioned face sitting after a very nice coffee. Uh, once uh, a one-on-one talk where you have that emotional deep connection. And just for listeners of the podcast, if you want to hear more about demisexuality, go back to an episode with Tatiana King and you can hear a little more in depth about, about oh, Demi. Oh, I love her. Yes, me too. Um, too funny. Uh, too fu- I'm, I'm just I know, a small our world. sex world. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's about, yeah, if you do that, if you are demisexual and you own it, it's really about owning your pleasure, owning it is whatever it is that you want. You know, I see a lot of people now, like, so proud sluts, really vanilla shaming uh, in a way that's just like, mm. so not the fucking point of this. <laughs> you mm. know, it's like the point is like, do whatever you want that makes you happy. Uh, and if someone likes having more missionary sex uh, and not being into kink, honestly, if you're defining kinkiness by like, are you falling outside the norm of reality or outside the not norm of reality, outside the you know the standard, standard deviation, deviation. <laughs> then literally having a kink is basic because everyone has fucking kinks. So if you actually don't, <laughs> you're, you're more likely to if you're vanilla, uh, have a kink, you are. <laughs> You, like, yeah, by that definition, if you're vanilla, you're actually the kinkiest because most people have kinks and you don't. So if you're looking at, at being like, uh, how common is it that what I'm doing? But I think, you, you know, I love, I, that, I, re- I love that reframe. It's, it's uh, like when people kind of do this and like, oh, I'm like, fuck, I, I know that comes from a place of trauma. I know it from the fact that they're not comfortable with their own sexuality or feel like what they're doing is wrong or the fact that vanilla people have shamed them. So then they subsequently respond by shaming vanilla people. And it's like, that's not what this is about. If you are more vanilla and you own it, if you are happily monogamous and you own it, if you are anything and you own it without a lick of shame and don't, as long as you're no longer thinking to yourself, should I be doing this? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I feel like, like once you get rid of those shoulds and be like, this is what I want to do and therefore I am doing it. That is what being a slut is. It's it's removing the shoulds in any single capacity. So, should am I sleep? Should I be sleeping with this many partners? Should I be sleeping with more partners? Like it's the same side. It's two different sides of the same coin. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. that reframe uh, could definitely be helpful. Yeah, it's just having like a better relationship with your own eroticism in like an informed consent way. Like you know what the options are. You've gotten in touch, and you're like, and you're following that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, the way that I'm a slut may be different from the way that you're a slut. But in your life, what's the sluttiest thing you've done lately? <laughs> oh, Jesus, fuck. Um, <laughs> am, I, am I allowed to curse? Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, I don't think I would have a podcast if cursing was not allowed. <laughs> God, I remember just talking to my mom recently and she goes like, you really should be like, cur- like she, I was at home and I was on a work call and she heard me curse. She's like, you really shouldn't be cursing that much. I'm like, mom, I... I I'm not saying fuck you to people. I'm just cursing in general. It's sort of an old narrative that like if you curse that it means you're like not smart or you're or you're um, not professional or whatever. But I I curse in my literally even in my classes when I'm teaching like I kind of try to know my audience, but I'm also going to like be myself. 
Of course. No, it's that same way. I, I'm a slut with my words. I'm a slut with my cursing because I own it and I don't have shame regarding what I think. That's what you should to say me. to your mom. Don't slut shame yeah. me for saying don't fuck sl- on the phone, mom. But she's like, she still has this idea that's unprofessional. I'm like, my book is called Boy Slut. <laughs> the fuck do you think's going on? And she's like, all right, Zach, don't be an asshole. Um, but uh, Can't wait anyway. to meet your mom. Uh, and what an angel of a woman. Um, what was the question? Oh, the <laughs> sluttiest thing I had done recently. This is so not even, you know, by, by gay or male standards or queer male standards. It's not that wild. But I, I, I was just like a cum dump at this like foursome where it was just like four dudes uh, or I guess three dudes and me just like I was like just being spit roasted and they all just came in me and like um and like afterwards, they like rubbed, like they like fingered the cum out of my ass and like rubbed it on my face. And I was like, oh, kind of gross, kind of hot. I don't know. Like, like I, I get, this is what we're doing. So here we are. But it was like that I thought was pretty funny. I was like, huh, just happy I douched really well that day. Um, otherwise, that would have been really disgusting. But um, what do you I think, think is the again, key for how, how much uh, one should douche their ass? Ooh, that that is a everybody is different. However, there is mm-hmm. you talk to like any proctologist or anyone who works with buttholes and queer men. And Shout out Dr. Ass. Evan Goldstein. Oh my the, the the one and only <laughs> ass doctor, and I still have not gotten my free consultation from him, uh, which I uh, need to call him up for. And I think it's because I completely mortified him on a. Um, like we were on a podcast or something together a panel and i'm like are you the one doing this or do you have like a pa he's like no it's me i'm like so like you're just gonna be up. and i literally was like i would be coming on to you so hard with your hand inside my ass and he's like jesus fuck that i made him so uncomfortable it was pretty funny or you turned him on too much i don't know oh he loved it he fucking loved it no um but it was no we work together in many capacities we know each other but it's a pretty funny thing um but so it's like if you talk to him, he'll be like uh, over douching is an epidemic in the gay community. If you douche for um, too much, you kind of erode the lining inside your butthole and that okay. actually uh, puts you at higher risk for STIs. Also, it's kind of like if you douche, there's like different kind of cavities within you. So if you douche up too far, you end up having to do a hour douche as opposed to like a five to 10, 15 minute douche. Unless if this guy has like an eight, nine inch dick or you're getting pegged by an eight or nine inch dick, you're not getting reaching up that far. So it's unnecessary to douche that far. Um, Mainly it's more about diet. You know, like a lot of people like the fiber pills. I don't, I feel bloated. You have to drink a shit ton of water with it. Don't drink, don't eat uh, greasy foods, fatty foods, spicy foods. uh, Don't take coffee, stimulants, anything that's going to run through you. It's like bottoming is not just a like there's a reason why people say I am a bottom as opposed to I prefer the bottoming position or like gay men. It's because it's 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 a way of life. Like you see the way bottoms eat. If you want to be ready all the time, they are eating very purposefully with this knowledge. Mm. Um, So it's it's figuring out what's right for you. I think erring on the side of less trying to eat uh you know clean they always say going into it so if you know you're gonna bottom the day before let's not eat some nachos and eat heavy cheese stuff and just trying to eat the good news about it is like a bottoms diet is also a healthy diet so you're kind of killing two birds with one stone kind of man i'd be a terrible bottom (laughs) i am a terrible bottom um uh, nachos every day that is that is my diet. But I think, honestly, when I eat healthy, my body's like, what is this? And then freaks out. So I think I have to keep yeah. it what it's used to. Yeah, healthy is just, it's it's not used to it. It's bad for you. It's, it's bad for you. I believe that. As the <laughs> expert in this field. Uh, anyway. Okay, so with the book coming out, what, what can folks expect from this Boy Slut book? Yeah, so I do uh, – branding issues, a bitch, right? Um, so uh, I do want to make it clear it is different than, like, the Boy Slut zine, which I have. The Boy Slut zine I have is just, like, erotica. It is fun. It's real stories that have happened to me and to people who submit. Also, please do submit. If you just Google Boy Slut, it'll be the first thing. You'll see the zine, the first thing that comes up, or maybe a pre-order for the book comes up. But you'll you'll see it. Um, I accept submissions, all of this stuff. Um, but the Boy Slut book uh, is different, um, and I'm told I'm not supposed to get too much into it at this point because so just pre-trust us and pre-order it. 
Yeah, trust us and pre-order it. I, I will. I can say briefly what it's about, though. But it's about how to live your life without sexual shame and how I reached this point. And one thing that kind of bothers me a little bit at the risk of being catty is like every gay memoir I read is like this little gay boy from the South who got kicked out of his house for being gay, who moves to New York City, finds his chosen family. And that is a very important narrative, but it is just one narrative. Uh, And I feel like I see that repeatedly versus I grew up in a queer, positive, sex positive household. And I still had so much sexual shame because it is so insidious. You don't need to have one level of trauma in order to be sex negative. If you exist in this world, you are sex negative in ways that you don't even necessarily realize. You have to unlearn that. Um, And so that's what this book is about. how to unlearn your sex negativity, how to live your life without sexual shame and be, you know, shameless and audacious and proud of who you are. Each chapter is dedicated to a, it's like, it's a collection of essays. It's loosely chronological. Each chapter is dedicated to a different theme. First one's about growing up with OCD uh, and how my OCD manifested with sexual guilt. I would imagine like people naked and then just start crying. Because I felt so bad and I thought nudity was wrong. Second chapter is my relationship with porn. I have a chapter about why we're so bad at handling rejection, even though it's the most universal thing that we all have to deal with at some point in our lives. A chapter about kink, a chapter about polyamory, bisexuality, and kind of goes through each of these topics, um, showing where I started in each step of the way. I was able to get a little bit less, remove a little bit of sexual shame to kind of get to where I am today. Uh, I mean... This next question then might be hard because I feel like there's so much more that has to be said in your book. But like, what do you feel like has been one of the biggest keys then to going from like the OCD shame crying self in those moments to like where you're at now? For me, um, for, for me, me it's, it's of- corn. <laughs> it's corn. Uh, um. It's quite, I, my God, I, all the remixes of that. Uh, I know, it still haunts my mind. It's it, it's it. Uh, banger of the season. Um, for me, it was uh, embr- embracing my bisexuality. God damn it. Okay, let's sorry, start one more time. <laughs> for me, it was uh, embracing my bisexuality. And I think I struggled with that for so long. I had spent five years in college just like blackout, hooking up with guys. And that always gave me a very valid excuse. I'm like, well, I was super drunk. Um, it doesn't count. Whoops. A mouth is a mouth. Uh, whoops. And also, when I first hooked up with a guy, I thought I was going to have this, like, revelation, this light bulb moment where I'd, like, kiss his lips and be like, oh, I am gay. Like, every relationship I had with a woman before, that was fake. That was not love. Like, this is love. This is lust. This is attraction. Or I'd kiss his lips and be like, no, no, I'm not into this. And so when you really I, I felt like ha- you had to choose. Well, I, I just thought I would have a polarizing response. I just thought, so like, I thought it would be clear when I finally hooked up with a guy. Yeah. And then when I did hook up with a guy, I was blacked out in order to do it. He was blowing me and I left twice to go vomit. Like, and he was like, are you okay? I'm like, it's fine. Please keep going. Like, he's like, okay. Um, and he's actually a close friend now. Ironically, this was 12. <laughs> some, years ago. Ago. <laughs> some years ago. Some years ago. Yeah. We're, we're not going to say that out loud. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, when I didn't have this polarizing response, I was like, I guess I'm not gay because I spoke to my gay friends like, no, I like whether or not I was hated myself for it. I I at least knew. But it turns out like getting hammered and to the point that you're blackout is not going to give you that much clarity. And also I was just so in my head. So I spent five years getting blacked out and hooking up with guys. But I also was sleeping with a ton of women and I was able to justify it and rationalize it and uh, compartmentalize it. And then what ended up happening was my brother, he had hooked up with like a couple guys in college. We're all more effeminate. Uh, we've all been called gay and teased as gay our whole life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I tried. I didn't really like it. You know, I, I gave it a really good college try here because I really thought I might be. And it wasn't for me. And, you know, that's it. I tried it for like a month. Uh, hooked up with maybe two guys. I was like, no, you've been doing it for five years. At some point, this is like a stable orientation isn't it like you you can't say you're exploring it's been like 30 guys and five like and and that really hit home because as good as i was at uh, compartmentalizing and rationalizing like i just could not argue with that logic like that seems pretty fucking gay so i ended up seeing a therapist through him i realized i was bisexual 
literally I was doing this monologue the first time about how confused I was. And the second time I kind of repeated the same monologue and he goes, Zach, I'm going to interrupt you. Uh, you wanted me to be blunt with you. And you asked that of me. And that was kind of prerequisite for us being together. You, you seem very clearly bisexual. Is, is there something I'm not understanding? Is there something I'm missing? And I said, oh, that, that shit doesn't exist in men. And he said, Zach, you're too smart to think that. Um, but he was kind of the first expert that granted that allowed me like granted me permission to be bisexual and mind you every guy in college who identified as bi came out as gay shortly after no shade to them mm-hmm. but that, that was just a factual statement and so so you were kind of conditioned to believe that like it's just a gateway to gay yeah and like i don't think i knew a, another openly out bi man i didn't I, I absolutely actually i don't know like i absolutely know that that would have been huge if, if i met one other openly bi man who did not change to gay shortly after and so because of that like even though i'm egocentric i'm not like delusional i didn't think i was the only one in the world with the sexual well, orientation well actually you told me to be honest with you so <laughs> you are delusional uh <laughs> this is an intervention bisexuality does not exist it is fake it is made up uh you are actually just gay um false <laughs> yeah it's uh <laughs> But yeah, so like the fact that professional kind of said this to me, uh, all of a sudden, like, I I thought the world was going to be my oyster. I really thought like men would welcome me with open arms. Women would welcome me with open arms. And I was very, very naive. Um, Women didn't date me because they were afraid I was using the label as a stepping stone. And even bisexual women didn't date me. And that was fucking crushing. They still believe the stereotypes that I was going to be gay. Um, and I think it's because also I was 22, 23, like now I get it much less because it's like I've been out as bi for 10 years and like, but it's like right when you come out as bi is when people yeah. are the most likely to question you, which is unfortunate. What you, so because, what do you think that is? Is it just like a mix of biphobia and fear of loss? It's, it's a mix of biphobia. It's a mix of, they still have heard more stories of gay men identifying as bi than bi men remaining and sustaining that identity. So it's also coming from a place of like, this is my experience. Every man I've met previously has bi has come out as gay. So I'm projecting this onto you. And it's like, some people are very quick to be like, this is wildly biphobic. And I'm like, it's a little biphobic. Uh, Like, I I think they just believe, uh, unfortunately, some stereotypes. And I think a lot of them are just insecure. I get it. Like, it, it, like, for people be like, I'm just too worried you're going to leave me for another guy and I'm sorry. And like, yeah. I actually respect it. Like, you know, like, uh, like, is it a shame? Yes. But I, I don't want to pursue this if you get this, if you get cold feet a year in. Uh, you know what I mean? So I understand that. But I think it's just, and this is where visibility comes into play. And I do hate that visibility is kind of hailed as this panacea. I don't think it's going to solve all the world's problems. But I do think it is the first step yeah. in a movement or in and bisexual people are having a movement right now and i think mm-hmm. that's why visibility is so important so the more people that know by people will realize that this is a real identity this is a stable identity and it's not a stepping stone but also gay men were fucking annoying too um they would straight up be like oh honey i was bi too and then like try to kiss me and i'm like that's a disgusting thing to say <laughs> like that doesn't yeah. make like so they were just like zach you're hot i'll still fuck you uh, you're going to end up being gay anyway, so we can start dating now. But I didn't want to date you. I didn't want to yeah. fuck you if you were invalidating if my sexuality. Inval- yeah, exactly. Like, like fuck off. Um, so I almost had to all of a sudden exist. Out- I was like, well, I can't fucking date anyone. I finally claimed this identity. So back to your question that we were answering here was like, how did you get over your sexual shame? It's almost like I was forced, I was forced to exist outside of the norms of sexuality, mm-hmm. out of the dating norms. And because of that, I had to somewhat create my own. I had to create a bisexual community where I could love and date people. I was being shamed, like, there were no other options. So then I started almost owning who I was because, like, well, it it wasn't even like I could fake it. You know, like, people, like, at this point, I'd come out and no one else would do this or date me. So it's almost when I embraced my bisexuality, had these negative experiences... I was like, well, I'm going to embrace who I am, own who I am, and then find other people like me and create a friendships and space and dating worlds so that people like me could exist. So I think it was almost out of necessity uh, is how I managed to remove my sexual shame. 
Yeah. And any tips for folks in finding that community and sort of taking those first steps? It is, yes. And this is one thing I've been working on actually a lot. Uh, I think about bisexual community a lot because if you're a gay guy, you can go to a gay bar. Uh, but like, especially a, a bisexual guy like me, when I have at any given moment, I have nine girlfriends and six boyfriends and 15 they friends, but like, I, I, I can't go to a gay bar with my girlfriend because like, we're not gonna be welcomed in that space. I feel uncomfortable kissing them. And this is not even me shitting on gay men for being biphobic. I understand the sanctity of your space, but there is no space for me and my girlfriend to go. And I'm not going to be caught in the fucking straight club. I hate straight clubs. I hate straight bars. Um, and they're not a lot of bisexual communities except the IRL except sex communities. So if you're open to non-monogamy, kink, and polyamory, there are munches, is kind of what they call them in the BDSM scene, where you can like go online and find these polyamorous kink sex clubs near you. Um, unfortunately, there are not many spaces for bi and pan. And when I say bi, no, I mean pan and uh, omnisexual and bisexual, any multi-gender attraction here. In this episode, we talk about sexy stories. If you feel like you need a little something to help get you in the mood or just to enjoy some good pleasure content, please support our awesome sponsor, Dipsy. Dipsy has been an amazing advertiser of the podcast. And remember, the more you support the advertisers, the more it benefits the podcast. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite songs again and again, which I love to do, you can always find something new to explore when you're in the mood. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy stories that you can read. They even have one with Luke Cook, one of my favorite voices. He was Lucifer Morningstar in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I truly believe, as you listeners probably know, that it is so important to make time for your sexual exploration, and Dipsy makes it fun, easy, and pleasurable. I use Dipsy written and audio sexy stories to help get me excited, and I use their wellness and sleep stories to help me wind down. I also really love that they highlight inclusive and diverse voices and stories for all kinds of listeners. Again, for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A, dipsystories.com slash S-A-N-D-S, dipsystories.com slash S&S. Now back to the episode. Yeah, why do you feel like it's important to use the by nomenclature as opposed to pan? Um, yeah, I have a few reasons for that. The first one, it's my fucking identity. Uh, like, you know, like, like, <laughs> it's, uh, um, it is what I, it took me so long to embrace who I was. And yeah. I, as bisexual, I felt like I was part of this community. And for me, bisexuality, the, the, like the only, from what I gathered, and this might piss off some people, but you guys will live, um, like, from what I gathered, when we came with bisexuality, like the word bisexuality initially was with regard to like sexes. It was like, honestly, we still have botanists who like use bisexuality to describe a plant that is mm -hmm. both, uh, both like male and female reproductive organs. And people, yeah. we'd probably call this intersex right now. But when we like um, started to use bisexuality with attraction, we did not have the same understanding of gender like we do now. Mm -hmm. So bisexuality actually was an inclusive word because it meant male and female and even gender non-binary people are assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth. You could maybe make the distinction that it wasn't inclusive of intersex, but obviously that was not the intent. Bisexuality was an inclusive identity. Um, then we started switching things to gender, which was necessary and important. Um, but then all of a sudden it got confusing because it's like, okay, this is no longer inclusive of non-binary people. And bisexual people are like, that's insane. <laughs> like, like, uh, like we, we didn't come up with bisexual being like, oh, we want to fuck men and women, but fuck those non-binary people. We don't want to fuck that. Like, no, obviously that was not the intent. And from that, what happened was uh, the word pansexuality. Because they're like, okay, this word is more inclusive. This yeah. means all genders versus bisexual perpetuating a, um, a binary and gender. And bi people are like, the fuck? No, like, th this is frustrating. My attractions were, like, most bisexual people I know are attracted to people of all genders. You know what I mean? But it was very frustrating. And for a long time, I was told that being bisexual was transphobic. I never heard that from trans or non-binary people. Mm -hmm. It's only cis people getting offended on behalf of trans and non-binary people. Interesting. And... 
and it's the reason why trans and non-binary people didn't say being bisexual was transphobic was because bisexual people date and fuck them. Mm. It's not going to be this straight, toxically masculine dude who's dating a trans woman openly. Yeah. So Um, going back to that, like, this has been our experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, so then pansexuality. So then there was kind of this fight between bisexuality and pansexuality. So then we kind of changed the definition of pansexuality to be uh, attracted to people regardless of gender. Mm. Um, versus bisexuality means we're attracted to people because of gender. Uh, and so in that regard, I definitely be bisexual. Like I'm attracted to all genders and I'm not one of those people. It's like, Oh, I just see who you are, not your parts. It's like, no, I like big tits. I like a big dick. I like a tight (laughs) pussy. I like a fat ass. Like I like all of it. I'm attracted to also just highly, those are just body parts. Right. But like, I'm also attracted to highly masculine people. I'm attracted to highly feminine people in terms of presentation behavior. I love all of it. But then the issue with that has now been that you can't be bisexual and pansexual at the same time, right? They're, they're almost they, like if bisexual means you're attracted beca- and people are like, well, I identified as bisexual and pansexual. No, I can't. So right now it's there's a lot of confusion going on. And it's because originally we were talking about sex. Then we moved to gender. Gender is so nuanced. And then some people I think actually are attracted to people for more sex reasons and some people are more attracted to people for gender reasons and for some people it's a combination of both so it's just become this ultimate clusterfuck where no one agrees on the same definitions yeah <laughs> like i think this all explains like every yeah. word means something different to different people but for me bisexuality is a historic word um it's the you know, sylvia rivera marsha p johnson these were bisexual trans activists who started the lgbt movement also from like an seo perspective i write about that's search engine optimization um yeah so for i write about bisexuality and men's health that's the main magazine i write for i have a yeah. lot of guys who are 40 50 who don't which know is the pretty word huge that, they, that men's health is including this you know in the oh, work it's awesome. now it yeah. is fucking awesome it really yeah. is great but like I have guys in their 40s, 50s realizing that they're bisexual and they found me through searching for me. They don't know. Are they searching for bi- bisexual? They don't even know the word pansexual. Yeah. So like they would so not be able to So then you get to bring them me. in with that word and then maybe explain the nuances of what exactly. else is out there. There is some brand recognition with that word. People know what that word means or or we don't. As I think what I was trying to say. I think there's yeah. a lot of confusion. And then you get to have a fun and confusing conversation. And- and then it's like, I, I've had this, I was trying to like, even just define bisexuality in my book. I'm like, yeah. Jesus, fuck. I don't even know. Like, I can't even fucking do like, and people are going to get pissed off. I, I'm finally, I'm like, and I'm just like, hey, this is what I mean when I say bisexuality. I understand yeah. there are many definitions. I'm, I'm using it to mean an attraction to multiple or all genders. But that's great. Cause then I think that's a question that we can ask people that we're maybe dating or meeting is like, oh, what does this mean to you? Right. To help better understand people with all of their unique intersections instead of like, oh, now I know who you are because I think I know that you fit into this box. Yeah. I, that is the beauty of it. That I think is just being like, we shouldn't ask like, what does being bisexual mean to you? How does that, how do your attractions manifest? because bisexual can mean it's so encompassing, which is beautiful, but also then it's like, I have no idea what this is. Like, literally, it's like, I want the dichotomy to be at this point, like, are you trying to fuck? Are you trying not to fuck? Because that's what I'm asking. (laughs) When I'm saying, like, when I'm asking you, are you bi? When I'm asking a dude, are you bi? I don't need, I'm like, what I'm asking is, are you trying to fuck or not trying? Like, should I be flirting with you or not? Like, that's the dichotomy that I think So maybe that's the new question. Yeah, maybe that's the new question that we ask instead. It's like, are you DTF? someone that is fuckable? But yeah, you know, it doesn't even need to go more than that. ASL, DTF. <laughs> Truly. But but it's it's so uh, right now, I, as you can tell, I proudly identify as bisexual. Uh, I also will say pansexual at times. I also will say queer. I also think it's helpful to use all these labels however you want to. But bisexual is kind of the main label that I really stand behind. And I think it's important to be accepting of all these neo pronouns that are coming in as we have omni and bisexual and my biggest takeaway from my entire rant uh is just be accepting of everyone's sexuality um and be curious be curious i've had people again who just really dismiss my bisexuality in a way that's just like because they're pan- they they think I'm somehow non-progressive because I don't use the word pansexual and I'm like I I'm like do you want to have this conversation because I'm like, gonna are rock we, your fucking we're not we're not gonna fuck then <laughs> I'm like we can have this conversation and I can show you uh, 
the clusterfuck of what's going on. It's not nearly as simple as you think. So I'm getting riled up. I've been writing this whole fucking, I'm not like 3000 words in where I'm just like writing down the history of all the shit, breaking down various things one by one by one. Cause I'm Ooh, so tired please of share being that. Asked. I want to share that with our listeners and on social. I'm so tired of being asked to be an expert on like, what does it mean to be pansexual? And I give a quote and they like use one quote out of context, give one small definition of pansexuality that is not representative, that doesn't look at the history, that does not compare it to bisexuality. There's nothing fucking good online. Uh, And what I want to make clear is like when I say this, it's like this is not me telling you how to identify. That is not the purpose of this. The purpose of what I'm trying to explain is like this is confusing. This is hard. And the answer to it, as what you said, Nicoletta, is being more curious and being like, hey, what does that mean to you? Well, I'm excited to read that when it comes out. And I want to get people excited to read your works. Um is there anything you could share with me and your and our audience of things that you've written that will titillate us? Sure. So I'm happy to read a voice. I know this is from the zine, not the book. And as I mentioned, that's nonfiction erotica. I'm going to share something that's a little bit on the shorter side. Yes, it is on the shorter side. So that way... It's a quickie. Um, it's a quickie. It's a quickie. So that way, um, yeah, yeah, we can get to the whole thing here. I'm excited. Uh, so the title of the piece is, I was a horny mess at the burn until I fucked the masked, cum-soaked man in the swing. Uh, I, I've learned through writing this uh, uh, zine that, like, just the raunchier and more graphic you are in the title, the more clicks you get. Like, don't be subtle. Like, fucking You're do like, it. look, I'm not going to lie. Ba- again, back to SEO. In back to SEO, baby. Uh, so the subhead for this is I published it uh, when it came on uh, September 5th when everyone was at Burning Man this year. So what was that? Like, two months ago. Man, I wanted Uh, to be more of a slut every time I've been at Burning Man, but just like the dust, man. The dust really Uh, turns uh, me off. Don't you? Oh, I get into it. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. I'm I'm, I'm quiet. I'm at the edge of my seat. Uh, so the subhead was uh, everyone is at Burning Man this week except you and me. So I figured I'd write about a raunchy experience from my time on the playa back in 2019. I shall begin now. <clears throat> I'm going to read slowly. I always have a tendency to read quickly because I oh, want to get hot. it. Oh, that's hot. Okay. So I'm going to do this slowly. Uh, if you guys need to do the 0.1, in case you guys are rushing on the speed, feel free to. No, an invitation to be slow. Mm. I love Burning Man. I believe it has some of the best art in the world, and many folks there are by and poly, so I feel right at home. However, there is one big issue. I often don't get to fully appreciate all the art and installations because I am a horny mess on the playa. Not a little bit horny. I'm talking jaw-dropping, eyes-popping, ooga horny. Everyone is half-naked or completely nude. Tits, booties, pussies, and dicks are out and about. Penises flop while fighting in the Thunderdome. Titties bounce on bikes and the asses. Not just beautiful, plump, and delicious. They're often adorned in some outrageously skimpy, bedazzled thong. I can only handle so much erotic stimulation. Yes, this nudity is a form of self-expression. It's about removing ourselves from societal prisons. It's anti-capitalistic, free love, some other shit. Uh, Still, even though nudity is presented in a non-sexualized manner, you all know me. And if there's one thing I'm going to do, it's sexualize something sexless. Alas, there are many hindrances when it comes to actually having sex on the playa. You're covered in dust, it's hot, you're sharing a tent with multiple folks, and you've been on God knows which drugs, so your stomach is in shambles. And the idea of douching in a porta potty sounds worse than the seventh layer of hell. So, despite wanting to fuck any and everyone at the burn, I instead focus on dancing until my four, until my poor feet are in agony. Then I wander for an hour trying to figure out where I parked my bike, and eventually I make it I make my way back to camp. Or at least that was my MO until I learned of the Down Low Club, a camp at Burning Man since 2009. I, for one, love an arguably offensive name, Boyslet Cough Cough. So I knew I had to check out the DLC. Uh, that, and well, the description of their camp also piqued my interest. Here's their de- camp description from this year that I remember it being very similar in 2019. Open 24-7 all week at 715 GDP, Down Low Club provides the adult, 18-plus, gay, buying curious men of the playa discreet, enclosed, air-cooled tent that's away from home, away from prying eyes, and fully equipped for erotic man-to-man play. Whether you're a player or just want to observe and check things out, all adult, 18-plus men on the playa are welcome. 
at Down Low Club. Our credo is what happens at Burning Man stays at Burning Man. Alrighty then, you have my attention. Uh, off on a daytime solo venture, I wasn't looking for the DLC, though as fate would have it, I happened to stumble upon the massive tent. The sun was beating down, my calves were aching, my sunburn was scabbing, and I was dehydrated despite repeatedly refilling my camelback. Nevertheless, I was horny. I had not come in four days. This may not seem like much to you, but for me, a boy slut, that is a lifetime. I entered the massive tent and was immediately hit with a blast of cool air. The tent may, in fact, have been the coldest space in all of Burning Man. The room was dark, but I could hear a chorus of soft grunts and moans in the distance. I ventured off into the first room to see a cub on his knees blowing a polar bear. With his long white beard and belly, the man getting head looked eerily similar to Santa Claus. They both looked up at me, and then Santa took the cub by his head and pressed him back down on his jolly old cock. <laughs> These two men didn't seem like they needed me, so I passed the curtain to head into a second chamber where I saw a man splayed out like a starfish, getting railed on a mattress. Want to turn? The top asked when he saw me staring. I always love when it's the top who's offering up the bottom. There's something so pure in that form of objectification. It's like he's offering me a slice of pizza or, or a turn at Halo. Obviously, I wanted to go, but I wanted to see what, who else was there. I wanted a go. I had a big old load stored up, and I wasn't going to blow it on or in the first asshole. I smiled and shook my head. I opened the final curtain, stepping into a narrow corridor. I couldn't exactly see what was at the end. My eyes were still adjusting to the darkness. But as I slowly walked forward, I realized there was a man in the swing. His hands were cuffed to his sides, and his legs were solidly placed in the stirrups. He was dressed exactly how you'd imagine. A leather harness, jock, and latex gimp mask with a zipper shutting his mouth. Uh, you couldn't see his dick since his jock was covering it, but his asshole was tilted up on display for all to see. As I got closer, I realized he was leaking cum. No, it was oozing out of him, dripping onto the floor. A second look revealed there was also cum all over his chest and mask. I don't think I've ever seen this much cum on or in someone in my entire life. It was like a real-life hentai. He must have been there posted up for hours, days even. He knew I was walking towards him. My metal cup with my ID taped to it clanged against my utility belt. My bracelets jangled. My heavy boots made a thud with each step. But he didn't say a word. At last, there I was, directly in front of him. He was perfect. A man truly worthy of my massive load. It took me a moment to unhook, unzip, and unclasp everything that was keeping me alive in the desert, but I didn't rush. He wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. Once naked, on, <clears throat> once naked, I sped onto my throbbing dick and inserted myself deep inside of him. He was so wet with countless loads, fresh ones that hadn't yet dried up. Come shut out from his hole with my first thrust, and he let out a moan. I grabbed his throat as I plowed harder and harder. I knew I wasn't going to be able to last long, but I didn't care. I needed the release. I took my free hand and pinched his nipple. He reflexively arched his back, but the sling kept him in place. I released my grip around his throat, letting him take a big inhale. I opened his mouth zipper and stuck two fingers down his throat. I plowed him while he gagged. I did my best to stop myself from coming, but that only added another 30 seconds. Then it happened. I shot inside of him three monster spurts. Damn, he said, clearly feeling how massive my load was. I pulled out. I had enough to come on him, too. I shot on his chest and his jock. When I was all out of juice, I spread his hole to watch my cum leak out of him. Thank you, I said. Thank you, he replied. I then grabbed my clothes and accessories and headed to a vacant room. I wanted to relax in the cold with my postcoital bliss a little longer. I woke two hours later to the sound of ball-slapping sex next to me. I hadn't <laughs> intended to fall asleep, but an orgasm will do that to you. I took a deep breath before lacing my boots, attaching my utility belt, strapping on my camelback, and returning to the joyous chaos and overstimulation of the playa. Only this time, I was able to enjoy the art installations without wanting to stick my dick inside them. <laughs> and that is Boyslide. <laughs> Scene. I'm just I think my favorite visuals were the the balls at the Thunderdome and for listeners if you don't know what the Thunderdome is it's like a fighting dome where they just play like metal and they put you on it's my favorite 
It's like swings. You're, you're on suspended swings strapped in. Yeah, yeah. Bouncy, stretchy swings. Yes. The Mad Max with Tina Turner, right? I think so. I think and and then you uh, you have these like that. you have these giant like um, Q-tip looking fighting devices, and then they just launch you at each other, and you just beat each other up. It's quite dangerous, but it's really fucking fun. I've tried to do. Oh, it's like people die. Not actually, but <laughs> unclear. But like, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know. But literally every time I try to do it. Uh, it's always with someone who's like a best friend who's like pissed you off on the playa. Like, you know, you've been in the car together for Just fight it out. five, you know, 15 <laughs> hours trying to get in. You're dehydrated. He, he, he took your drugs and you thought he took his. Everyone's pissed off. And you're best friends and you know you will be best friends, but you just need to fucking lose your shit. Yeah. Uh, this is what it is. But it's so I tried to like you have to get there. I think it's like the key to do it is to like sign up after a night of partying at 8 a.m. for a slot at 6 p.m. Like, like, cause other, you just can't get yeah. a slot. Everyone wants to do it. Um, yeah. and one year I will fucking figure it out and like make it a priority. Cause I want to kill someone. And this is like <laughs> a socially acceptable way to murder someone's face. So I'm excited for that. This is what my somatic therapy has taught me. <laughs> <laughs> this is consensual murder. Consensual um, murder is my new kink. Okay. So loved that. I think my other favorite visual was at the end of, I just imagining you like which art thing you would stick your dick into and that that would that should be so an, art exhibit, an art exhibit in and of itself watch zach stick his dick in things <laughs> it's it's, it's art, art. I, um. <laughs> okay so oh. last question before we wrap up um how do we make sure that casual sluttiness is not disrespectful you know like how do we yeah. I, I, I get a lot of questions where people are like uh, not a questions. I would say there's a lot of people out there that I see doing casual sluttery, but they sort of confuse that with being like disrespectful and an asshole. How do we have casual, fun, slutty encounters and still be loving, respectful human beings to each other? It, 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 casual sex is such a misnomer, unfortunately, and I, I think we're going to have mm-hmm. trouble retitling reclaiming or not reclaiming just retitling switching that word yeah um casual sex does not imply that it's necessarily easy it does not imply that it's necessarily quick it just means that i'm not looking for uh a commitment with this person i'm like i just want one sexual experience maybe a handful of sexual experiences with this person and i'm not looking for a serious romantic partner that is what casual sex means. It does not mean that you disrespect them. It does not mean you uh, treat them. like It doesn't mean like, oh, you just don't text them back because you're casual partners. It's like, no, that means you're being a dick. And mm-hmm. it, it's why I almost prefer the term friends with benefits, which is also now a term that's gotten very yeah. uh, uh, fallen out of fashion. I feel like people rather use the word casual partners. I, I or poly people, ENM people tend mm-hmm. to. I, I I like saying friends with benefits because it implies that we are still friends. Um, like you know, I like the way you would respond to a friend text. You respond to this, and I think, I think if we can somehow switch in our brains that casual does not mean disrespectful. Casual just indicates that you're not looking for a romantic partnership with this person. We can treat casual hookups with more respect. And I think, and I under the the only issue. I think with this that I've encountered in my life, um, and I'm still navigating, trying to figure this out, is when sometimes the, the fear is when you are, and it just shows it just shows you how terribly men treat women and other guys. But it's like when I go through these kind motions, it's often misconstrued as interest. So it's like, yes, we had a casual hookup, but I, I want to check in with you the next day and see how you're feeling. So we had an intense mm-hmm. sexual connection. And that's often then misconstrued as me being like, oh, he wants something more. He wants a romantic relationship. So mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, like we're so you- starved for like human kindness that when somebody shows it to us, it's like, do you want to get married? <laughs> yes, yes. It's literally exactly that. And, and I've had to really just be more clear than I even think I need to be. Yeah. About being like, hey, this I had so much fun. I don't see this being a romantic relationship. I'd love it to comp- continue in this capacity. And like saying that and then it's unfortunately, you know, a month or two later, you might have to say that again. 
uh, because, you know, just they misconstrue this affection or this general kindness as someone that wants something more serious. So that's something I struggle with. And I think that's uh, the, the one issue I know within casual sex that comes with you then kind of being a good guy sometimes it's misconstrued yeah. uh, and i feel like every woman can speak to that being like oh i was just like kind to him and then he thought i was in love with him or that i wanted to date him or i wanted to fuck or him that and this that was, was an like invitation not, yeah yeah it's like no that's not what it is but still which is such a shame that- too because then i see people maybe not being kind and loving because they're afraid that people will then be unboundaried and take things from them and so it, it, it people are so disconnected and and like hungry for being seen in connection it's it's really sad it's fucked it's really sad and i know i'm speaking a little bit in kind of gendered terms right now but it's just because i hear this from the women in my life who i talk to who are even if they're queer they still date men and just the guy, the guys and from guys too they're just yeah afraid to that general acts of empathy and kindness and respect will be misconstrued. So therefore they don't do it. I think it's better to do what I do. Of course I do. Right. But like, <laughs> I think I, I think do what I should do. because everyone should. Um, I, I think I'd rather have a conversation and be like, Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, I think we, there's a little bit of our wires crossed and this was, I really want, I enjoy having sex with you, but I don't see this being a romantic partnership and having to have that awkward conversation than being a dick to someone. And the irony is they still might think you're a dick afterwards. They might say, oh, you led me on. I've had people say that. I'm like, I really tried not to. (laughs) Like, like, the fuck do you want? But Unfortunately, matter of fact is there is a gendered component here, you know, because like you may feel as a cis man, like more comfortable and confident to say those things. Whereas like, I think a lot of, you know, cis women, women have, a, have a fear, a fear of like, what's going to be the retribution for this rejection. Well, I could listen to you talk for hours. And in fact, I will as soon as Boy Slut comes out. So how can people pre-order, get in touch, hire you, um, fuck you if you want them to? <laughs> yeah, how can people get in touch? A sign of my DMs, really, <laughs> an ass pick is the easiest way to get my attention. Oh, so you, are, do you like an uninvited ass pick? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I am currently soliciting them. This is me soliciting good, that nude. Good, clear communication. This, this, I love this that. This is me soliciting that nude. Um, if you send me a dick pic, it's got to be a good one. I don't want one like a flaccid one of you taking a shit and you're kind of like, no, I hate <laughs> when I get some ugly ass dick pics. And I'm like, I'm only mad when I'm, this is me personally, uh, obviously not speaking on behalf of anyone else, but like, I'm fine with unsolicited dick pics if you got a pretty good dick and you took a pretty photo of it. If you give me an ugly ass photo of your dick unsolicited, <laughs> now I'm furious. You did not put in the fucking time for this. You do not get this dick inside this pussy. That's not how this works. Um, so my Twitter and Instagram are Zachary Zane underscore. The underscore is at the end. If you Google boy slut, let's see what comes up first. Uh, first thing that comes up is the... Um, a Substack, which is the digital zine. The second thing that comes up is a Amazon link. If you want to not buy it on Amazon, it is available absolutely anywhere and everywhere. Books are sold online, so you don't have to feel like compelled to support Amazon. My website is ZacharyZane.com, but for getting in touch with me, um, best way is honestly DMing me on Instagram, messaging me on my website. But for the love of God, please pre-order my book. Those pre-order sales are so, so, so important and gives me a shot at becoming a New York Times bestseller, which would be fucking sick. So please, please do that and buy 500 copies for anyone you've ever met in your entire life. Yes, make this bisexual boy's dream and please pre-order. Um, again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars. Uh, Twitter at Slut Scholars. You can listen anywhere you get your podcast. Please don't forget to rate and review, preferably a nice one, just like Zachary appreciates a, a nice dick pic. I appreciate a nice review. Uh, and listen anywhere and, and at slutsandscholars.com. Thank you so much. Good.